Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Morning, everybody. How's everybody this morning? Amen. It's the Labor Day weekend. Glory to God. That means we have an extra day uh, tomorrow and uh, to work at the house so we can labor at home. Amen. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? I got some good news. I've read the back of the Bible and we win. Amen. We win. I know the world is saying, well, you're losing. It don't look good for the home team. But let me tell you something. This ain't my home. All right. But the home team wins. We win. Amen. And uh, we forget that. We don't ever need to forget that. I mean, there's tough times. There's, there's fights. I watched a football game yesterday, or a couple of them, or a little of, you know, I watched one game and part of another one. And in that one game, they went back and forth, back and forth. You know, there's times where the one game I watched was an Alabama game. It just seemed like it just went. I mean, you know, they went just straight for it. They were determined. They did what they did, and, and they won, and it was seemed to be easy. But then the other game. I watched uh, that uh, Georgia and Clemson game. It went back and forth. You never knew what was going to happen next. It was just really one breakaway play from being a total different game all the way up until the end. And, uh, you know, a lot of people look at the the world that way right now. They're looking at the world saying, you know what? It's just one. We could go under. We can go under any time, you know, and all of these things. I got news for them. They need to read the back of the book. If they read the back of the book, they can sit down and say, I already know the score. We win. Yep, there were some things that took place, but we won. You know, as a pastor, many times people ask me, they say, you know, pastor, what do you think? Do you think we're in the last days? And, of course, I always respond, well, sure. I mean, we're, we're, we're further down the road as close to the end as we've ever been. You know, it depends on what do you mean by the last days and what's going on and so forth. Well, you know, being that it's, uh, my goodness, been in ministry a long time, since 84. Guess what? We're closer now to the end than we were back in 84 or 94 or 2004 or 2014. We're getting on up there. And so we are definitely closer now than we've ever been. Amen? Now, tomorrow we'll be closer than today. And we just have to recognize some things. And you know what? Jesus didn't want us to be ignorant about what was taking place and what was taking, you know, going to take place on planet Earth. He kept them informed. As a matter of fact, he's even given us the Holy Ghost not to be out here somewhere, but to live within us, to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us. Because some of the things that's going to take place, we're looking and saying, oh, my goodness. But we just have to look at it and say, you know what? We win. My God has promised us. You know, and that's the way it is. And, you know, I thought for a minute, I'm glad that, that Mimi uh, went ahead and ordered that uh, present for uh, McKenna. Because I'm sitting there thinking, how's Papa going to do this without, Mar- without Peter uh, getting mad? No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't interfere with that kind of stuff. They, they know what they need to do and do it. But I didn't throw his toys away when he was a kid. I just told him, you're not getting any more, you know. I might have tore something up, but it wasn't a toy. It was probably him. <laughs> We're getting back to the word here this morning. With the, uh, you know, as, as I was studying, getting prepared last, you know, couple of weeks, Peter's done a great job. I, I've really enjoyed the messages. 
Uh, you could go in a million different directions, and there was one particular area I thought the Lord was leading me to go in, and we may do that next week. But I felt impressed yesterday as I was studying that the Lord said, I want you to talk about this. Because we are in those days, and I want you to make mention of some things, but don't elaborate on end times. Does that make sense? And so we're not going to go over end time prophecy and, and all of those things, but we are going to make reference to some things that Jesus said about those last days. And the reason being is because there's uh, some certain things there that we need to take notice, not only that's happening out there in the world, but is it happening in here in us? Because if it's happening in us, and he said that these things were going to take place in the world, then we may need to wake up and realize, look, we need to deal with these things in us. Amen? So let's just go ahead and let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I know that you preordained people to be here this morning to hear your word. Those that are watching online, did the same for them. They couldn't be here, but you, you've got them tuned in this morning to hear the word of the Lord that you would have to speak to us in this local body. And Lord, I thank you. I give you all honor and glory and praise in advance for what you're going to do in people's lives. And Lord, I thank you right now that the one that's dealing with that stomach issue this morning is being healed and made whole right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That one that's having difficulty breathing, heaviness like something is sitting on their chest, I thank you, Lord, for, for taking that weight up off upon them, and, and I speak life into their body right now. Lord, as you reveal these things, healing flows into them that would receive it. Lord, I thank you for strength coming into bodies. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, this morning, open your Bibles over to uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. A lot of this is recorded as well in Luke's gospel, but we're going to just look at this, and we're going to start off real quick here, and then we're going to jump back to the, more of the end of the uh, chapter, and you'll see. In verse 1 of chapter 24, it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Now, this is during Passion Week. He's already rode in on the donkey, and uh, this is that last week of his life here on planet Earth as a human. Amen? And so... He says that uh, Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. They were impressed by this man-made object, by this temple. And, it was, and it, you know, we're not going to go into construction details this morning, but the stones were massive. They did a great job, you know, with the technology they had at that time, which was, they didn't have technology, but the, the way they went about doing the things they did with the homemade tools and probably pulleys and all kind of things and ropes and manpower. Anyway, they built this enormous temple, uh, a real nice one. And Jesus said unto them, notice there, see you not, say not. See you not all these things. In other words, quit looking at these things of this world and giving them strength that's beyond its ability. You're giving things strength that doesn't deserve strength. Yes, it's strong, but there's things that are stronger. There's things that are bigger. It says, Seek ye not all these things. Verily I say unto you, that there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He looked at the, the big stones, which were massive, and thought, they're not that big. They're not that strong. These are all coming down. But they looked at it as an immovable object. 
And there's many times in our life where we look and we see things that are immovable objects and the Lord looks at them and says, that's no big deal. It's coming down. It's coming down. And we need to have the attitude and understand that we see, see not those things as immovable. Right now, and, and throughout the whole world, there's things that seem to be immovable. Like this COVID virus, COVID coronavirus. Hey, listen, I'm not belittling it. I had it. You know, it wasn't fun. But every time you turn around, there's a, the, the Delta variant. Now there's a new one called the Mu, and I think is how they say it. M-U. That's Mu, or, you know, it ain't Mu. But uh, I'm sure somebody will say it that way before it's over with. But what will it be next? And all I do is when I hear about these new variants that come out and these, these and all, is I just smile real big. You know why? Because my God told us, me standing right up here on this platform, last January, the first week, that this, we hadn't seen our last pandemic. But it didn't mean the pandemic had us. Are you hearing me? He already told us, it's not the last one. And now they're even saying they don't have a clue how many more it will, will be. But you know what? Healing is for every day. Symptoms can come upon us. But they got to leave in the name of Jesus. Amen? I will live and not die. It says, see you not these things. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one uh, stone upon another that thou shalt not be thrown down. And as he sat down, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, came unto him privately and said, Tell us, what shall these things be? When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? They came to him privately because, see, they were looking at these massive walls that, that looked like they were immovable, and they were like, my goodness, you know, I, we thought God, you know, Jesus would be impressed by this. And he just looks at it and thought, eh, it's all coming down. And it was like, okay, uh, we know what you've been telling us all along, but, but we need to know some things. And one of those things that we need to know is, uh, when, when, when's all this happening? I, I want to know some things. And so they came to him in private. And they said to him, uh, three things they needed to know. When, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of his coming? And of the end of the world. Three things. Three different things they wanted to know about. And so now Jesus is going to start explaining to them about these three things. Because he wants them to know. He didn't say, well, no, you just need to wait. And when the Bible comes out and print, you can get it. No. He's going to share with them right now some things that they wanted to know. Although they weren't going to be there at the end of the world. But he didn't mind telling them what it was going to be. You know, a lot of people ask, you know, like I said, being a pastor, they ask, what, what about the end times and so forth? And, and I'm more concerned about living every day with Jesus than, than, than something's going to happen way back there. You know why? Because when that day comes and we are at that last day, guess what? I'm already in tune. I've been living with him every day as, as, it, as if it was the last day. You hear me? And then what happens in the real reality of it all is if I died today, Tomorrow, I'll just be in a different location, but I'm still going to be living in him. Okay? But we're, it's curious. I mean, it is something that we like, well, where are we in time? You know, let's chart this out. But we need to really ask ourselves some questions. Why? 
And like I said, as a pastor, I have a lot of people ask me these type things. And it bothers me because sometimes people do it, but it's fear motivated. And we need to recognize that it's fear. Or we need to recognize that, that uh, you know, why am I wanting to know? I remember when I first got saved, I, I wanted to read the book of Revelations. I wanted to understand and get my hands on stuff and all that. That would have been the worst thing that I could have ever done. I did read a few different things, and I was like, it didn't make any lick of sense to me because I didn't know what the Word said anyway. I didn't know, so whatever I was reading was like a waste of my time, if you want the truth about it. It was just ridiculous. And uh, I realized, you know, what I need to know is who I am in Christ. And that's when things started to turn around. But Jesus said this to him, and he answered them and says, Take heed that no man deceive, deceive you. In other words, pay close attention that no man deceives you. Hmm. No man deceives you. That word deceive means to cause you to roam, R-O-A-M, away from the truth. Well, you know, you need to know what the truth is. What did God's word say? What does it say? And don't let anybody come and deceive you by saying something, by events taking place in the world, by something you hear on TV, by some commentary, or some family member. Don't let what they're saying cause you to roam away from what the Word of God says. Okay? They may not, they're not mean people, they're not the Antichrist, but they're bringing up something that will cause you to fear whatever and roam away from what you know what the Word says. And when he, he says, I want you to make sure about this, and he's telling them that. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many, and you shall hear of wars, and rumors of wars, I think over in Luke it says commotions, meaning uprisings, like a few years back when they had the, the spring uprising and had uprisings in Europe, and we had a, a plenty of them, not this summer, but the, the other summer, uprisings throughout our country. It says, You'll sh you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you don't be troubled by it. Isn't that neat? He says, you'll hear about these things, but don't be worried about it. Ah, well, you know, we're going to be going to war with China. Well, we may. But worrying about it now is not going to change it, is it? He says, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. In other words, there's going to be a lot of things that's taking place, but the end is not yet. And all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For a nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. There'll be famines. And we think of famines sometimes as what? Famines as the desert, you know, all the lush fields now turn to desert ground and there's no rain and there's no crops. And all. How about just going to the grocery store and finding the shelves empty? Hmm? They're barren. See, we perceive things sometimes as that, that's, we need to, to look at a bigger picture of it and recognize and say, oh, well, there's different kinds of famines. There's famines economically, right? There's reasons for these different famines and the things that you could purchase. Uh, but because of inflation, you don't have enough money. So that makes a famine, doesn't it? And like I said, lack of inventory. There's lots of things. There's famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. Verse 8, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. These are the beginning of stuff. So 
we can see that there's th those things there already happening around the world where there's famines and there's pestilence. Uh, we get diseases. There's uh, inflation. There's all kind of things that's going on, wars, rumors of wars. If that be the case, we could look and say we're already in those last days. Okay? But he said something there. And I want to bring this out. And, and I think it's in verse, uh, well, in verse 12 is, is a good one. And because of all these things with a hatred of, of be, you be offered up to, to uh, be afflicted and killed and so forth, persecuted, and many will be offended. And it says there that, in verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The love of many. What love? The love of God in people will wax cold. You'll start withdrawing. You'll pull back where before, at one time, you were just hot with the things of God. You were just letting it come forth because you weren't faced with tribulations, with trials and things, and just flowed out. And now you, you, the love that you once had has waxed cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. So even though that there's times where you feel like you've waxed cold, if you endure to the end, you'll be saved. Amen? And it says in this gospel, he preached throughout all the world and for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Okay? But there's some things that he made mention of, and we're not going to read through all of these here about uh, things that Daniel went, you know, said in, um, in the book of Daniel about the desolation of the abomination and so forth. The abomination of desolation, I meant. And about the elect uh, being uh, slain and different things like that. But he wanted us to, if we look over to, uh, let me see right where I want to start. Well, we'll start in verse 24. It says, For there shall arise false, wit false Christ and false prophets and show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. In other words, there's going to be signs and wonders and, and you know, people being able to convince even the very elect, those that Bible scholars, different people, you know, because of what they're doing and saying. And it says, but I've told you before. I've told you that this was going to happen. So we need to recognize that one of the, the signs is that, that we have been told already in his word this was going to happen. Wherefore, they shall say, Behold, I'm in the desert. Don't go out there. Don't run to the, the marketplace. Don't run to this place and that place. And, all, and he says in verse 27, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall the coming of man, the son of man, be. For wheresoever the carcass is, their eagles will be gathered together. And it says, verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, Shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So there's some signs there that we can see. A lot of things are going to take place, and then we're going to get to this place. How many of you want to wait till, till the, uh, the sun is darkened and the moon doesn't shine and the stars start falling before you're going to say, Lord, help me? Huh? Well, I'm just going to wait till I see that there's no sun. The moon's not giving in forth any light. Stars are falling, and then I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Huh? I mean, these weren't told so that people could have a two-minute warning like in a football game.
It says, Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and glory. You know, we, we hear about him coming back and the trumpet sounding and so forth. Well, that's going to be after these things take place is what, basically what he's saying. Okay? But there's some things here I want us to take a look at this morning. I, I feel like the Lord's wanting to hone in on. And it says that all these things are going to take place, but my word's not going to pass away. All of this is going to happen, but my word won't. In verse 36, it says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angel of heavens, no uh, prophets, no authors of books, uh, no preachers, none of these, but my father only. My father. He's the only one that knows. The angels don't know. Hollywood doesn't know. The government doesn't know. Preachers don't know. Evangelists don't know. Prophets don't know. What they do know, or what we should know, is that the father knows. He knows. Okay? He knows. And if he knows, it ought to be good enough that for us. Okay? God knows. And it's always bothered me inside of why is it that we want to know? Because, see, I want to know too. I mean, everybody wants to know, but why is it that we want to know? And it's different for different people. It says, by the hour, nobody knows. But as the days of Noah... As of the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days uh, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the, the coming of the Son of Man be. There'll be two in the field, and one shall be uh, taken, another one left, and two women at, shall be grinding at the mill, and one shall be taken, and the other left. And then he says, Watch. Therefore, watch, therefore. Why are we watching? It says, therefore, because of these things, it's taking place. Now we need, to, we need to watch. You see, in this world, there's a lot of things that one can be watching. There's lots of things to watch. My goodness, the other day, I went to write a, make a note on my telephone about an appointment. And when I opened up my phone to do so, guess what happened? I realized I had five emails that I hadn't, didn't know I had. Three text messages, one missed call. Well, by the time I got through all of that, the phone rang, and I'm on the phone about something else. I still hadn't even done what I was supposed to do on my time-saving device. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So it's very easy to get sidetracked. Because about the time you open up that email that tells you one thing, guess what happens? It you push the button and it pushes you over to Facebook. Facebook wants to send you the messenger. Messenger wants to send you the calendar. And I want to just send it all to the trash. He said, watch therefore, for you know not, the, or know not what, the, what hour your Lord doth come. Verse 43 says, but know this. Now if Jesus said know this, don't you think we ought to know this? Know what? What he's about to tell us, we need to be paying close attention to. He said, but know this. In other words, be aware of it. Understand it. Be sure of it. Jesus is saying, you need to take notice of what I'm about to tell you. That's what he's saying here. And then what happens? 
Jesus tells us four parables, say four parables, so that, we make, so that he makes sure that we that have ears to hear will not only hear, but will understand clearly what he's saying. So there's four parables that he's going to tell us. He says, make sure you know this. So there must be something in these next four parables that he wants us to recognize for a reason. Because it's going to locate some of us. And if it doesn't locate us today, next week when we're faced with a situation, it may locate us then because now we're walking in something that we didn't know of. You you follow what I'm saying? You know, the problem wasn't there on Sunday, but the problem may show up by Friday. And so then we've had to deal with that, right? He says... Know this, that if the good men of the house, say I'm a good man or a good woman, you know, but you're the good men of the house, had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. And would not have had, not suffered his house to be broken up. In other words, pay attention to what's going on. Watch these events that's taking place. Watch these four parables and be aware of those things so that what? Your house isn't broken into and stolen. That you don't miss out. Because things are going to take place on planet earth. He said, therefore, be you also ready. Say, I'm ready. This Greek word is hedomos, which means adjusted, made ready, and prepared. We're going to need to be prepared. He says, therefore, be you also ready. Be also prepared for what's about to take place. How many of you know that, that we prepare more for uh, things of this world than we prepare for the, the days such as this? Now, last Sunday, we had Hurricane Ida came up through Louisiana. It was down there. Well, people prepared for a hurricane. They had noticed that it was coming. They didn't realize where it was going to come make landfall, but they were watching and people that was paying attention to this says, we need to prepare for this. You saw it on television. They're putting up plywood over the buildings and putting up sandbags and doing all kind of things, preparing for something that was coming. Amen? I mean, even up here, we were, they said that we would have strong winds. I went out there. I took the swing down. Why? Because with the strong winds, I didn't want my swing banging all over the, the porch and hitting the walls and poles and all that. So I took it and I set it down. Slid it off the side, moved the table back, took it, went out there to the, to the little pool house area out there to the swimming pool where there was tables and chairs and umbrella. Said the umbrella's coming out, I'm putting it in the shop. You tie all the chairs together with the table. That way if the wind came and it blew one, it was just all going to end up in the swimming pool. I didn't care. Took all the little tile pieces off. I have my little procedure of knowing all the things that has to be put away, any yard furniture, Took the plants, took them inside, put them again. I knew the direction the wind was going to come. So I was preparing for, for bad weather. And it's amazing how we do that. You know, go get some gas, make sure your vehicles are filled up. Not because you're worried about a dollar worth of more gas prices going up, you know, where it's going to cost you an extra $2. No, it's because you may not be able to get any gas. Refineries are down, so you prepare. And we do all this. Some... Women will go to the store and they'll be buying cases of water and batteries and all these other things. Why? Because we prepare when we see something coming. But here it is. Jesus is saying we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to make some adjustments in our everyday life so that when this happens, we'll be okay. 
Well, what do we do? What are we doing, maybe I should say, to prepare for this day that's coming? What are we doing? What are we doing? Or do we prepare more for what Fox News and the Weather Channel says and CNN? Are we preparing more for that than what Jesus said? When he said these things, and you see these things, be ready. Make some adjustments. Prepare. Examine yourself. Take a good look at what's going on in your life. I preached a message probably about 10 years ago. And I asked the question, you basically, was if, like in a football game, there's that two-minute warning, and you know the end of the game is going to be there. What would we do? Well, maybe you should ask yourself, what would you do if you knew that Jesus was going to come by the end of tomorrow? You get one day. What would you do? Right now in your mind, you're thinking, well, I'd call some people and tell them I love them. Okay, that's good. Others may be thinking, well, I think I might call some people and tell them I'm sorry. I might call some people and say, you know, it doesn't make any difference who was right or wrong. What matters is that we make this right. And I just want to let you know I love you. Well, you may want to call somebody and say, look, I forgive you for what you did. I told you I never would, but I do. I just want you to know. If you knew you had one day, you'd do whatever it took. You would prepare for Jesus coming because you knew he's going to be there in one day. You, you wouldn't care about what was going on in the stock market. You wouldn't care about what was going on with the weather. You wouldn't care about what was going on at work. What you would be caring about and dealing with and preparing is to meet your maker. Because that would be number one on your list. But what would you do if you had a whole week? What if you knew he's gonna, it was going to be a whole week off? Well, some of you may say, well, you know, I think what I'd do is, first of all, I'd get all this other stuff taken care of. Then I'd get out and I'd start telling people about Jesus. I think I'd get out there and I'd probably tell people, say, listen, Jesus is going to be here at the end of the week. I don't want you to, to not know. And you begin to start doing what you knew that you ought to be doing. Why? Why? Because you ain't got but a week. And you want to go ahead and be about the Father's business. And start telling people. And praying for people. And telling them about how great a God we have. And that time is up. What if you had a month? You knew that you had one month. You got a whole month? Yep. So not only could you do that, but you could do those things. But you could also even do some bigger things. You could get into the Word. You could develop some real good time of praise and worship and, and, and really just start uh, getting in, into things. But what if I told you you had one year? There'd be some that would say, well, probably in about six months I might start taking it serious. i got six months left. Well, isn't it amazing how people might would do that? It's an urgency when you got one day. Which really brings me to this question. Does anybody have any idea? Go ahead and raise your hands on this one. What you would do if you knew you had one day left. Anybody have any, know what you might do? Anybody you'd call? Anybody you would, you would, you know, send a letter to, an email or something? Everybody in here has got something they would do. Probably get before God, and, you know, and, and repent of all. And let me ask you this then. 
If you know what you would do if you had one day left, why hadn't you done it? Why haven't you done it? If you knew what you would do if you had one week left before Jesus came, why aren't we doing it? You already have a plan. You already know what to do, but you don't do it. Why? That's a question that all of us have to ask. You see, our relationship with God is really, really important. And it says here, be ready. For in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh, that's when he's coming. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Anybody here that's faithful and wise? Oh, come on, we got more than that. So if you're not faithful and wise, you must be evil and foolish. Now I ask again, how many faithful and wise do we have? Yeah, every hand's up now. Who is a faithful and wise servant? Now, I'm not talking about somebody that's, that's uh, trustworthy. I'm talking about somebody that's full of trust. Are you hearing me? There's a difference be- between you being trustworthy and being full of trust in the Lord. Are you hearing me? And wise. Whom the Lord hath made ruler over his household. Now when you were born again, were you not made righteous? Did the Bible not tell us that we are seated now in heavenly places? So we are rulers over a household if it's no more than just this household. I mean, I know if you got a body, you got a house. And if you got a house, you're the ruler of that house. Right? So you've been giving, made ruler over this household to give meat in due season. So there's a reason that you, uh, that you are to be faithful and wise. And it's to be the ruler of this house and to have the word of God, that meat, in due season. That's your responsibility. And it says that with that responsibility comes blessing. Notice that it says, blessed is that servant. Which servant? That faithful and wise servant. Blessed, fortunate, to be envied, happy is this servant, this guy, the faithful and wise one. He doesn't have to be a boss. He doesn't have to be a leader. He doesn't have to be anything. You're the, you're the faithful servant there, the wise one over this house, whom the Lord said when he comes, he finds you doing what? Taking care of you and your house, providing the word for yourself. Is this cutting in and out? Maybe my batteries are, it seems like it's doing it all every time I turn to the left. You know, so anyway. He said faithful I mean, blessed is that servant that when he comes, he finds you doing what? Being faithful with what you've been given. He said, blessed is this guy. And he's going to make him ruler over all of his goods. And this is the other option. But, and if that evil servant saith in his heart, well, my Lord delays his coming. Now, look at that. You've got a choice whether to be faithful and wise or evil. Which one do you want to be? Faithful and wise servant or evil servant? You know, he says, but if then that evil servant, now this is where it really gets tough, shall say in his heart. You didn't even say it out loud. You were just saying it in your heart. Just saying it in your heart. Problem is, is where your heart is, that's where you treasure, and you're going to keep going in that direction. That's where you're going to end up. It says in your heart you're saying, my Lord delayeth his coming. 
Uh, you know, they've been saying Jesus is coming back now for 2,000 years. Uh, they've been saying this. They've been saying that. They've been, you know, I've heard preachers preach this and yana, 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 and all that. Well, unlike the faithful and wise servant, this evil servant is satisfying his own flesh. Because I want you to notice what he does. And he begins to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkard. This guy begins to eat and drink with the drunkard. Do you suppose he probably wanted to do that anyway? Probably always wanted to do that. Now he's doing it. He's got, well, I got time. I got a whole year. Maybe in six months I'll, I'll give up drinking and hanging out with this bunch and get saved. I'm going to live my life. And I'm going to do all these different things. And I've heard young people say this. And when I get about 70, when I get cancer, when I'm about to die and I get on my deathbed, then I'll make Jesus Lord over my life. They say these type of things. And they mean it from their heart. Others think that way but never would dare say it. So they're in this boat here with this evil servant. They think this way in their heart. Well, I'm going to go ahead and carouse and do all the stuff I want to do and feel good and live like the world. And then when it gets down to the very last minute when I see he's coming, then I, I'll do it. I'll, I'll make a change. But it says here, but if that evil servant say, shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. Mm. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with a drunkard. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. So he's been looking. The evil servant's been looking. He's been watching. But he's not looking and watching so that he can say, welcome, you know. Hey, Jesus. he's looking and watching to see if he's got one more day where he can play around. One more day he can mess around. And in that hour and in, that he is not aware, and he'll come and he'll cut asunder that that was appointed to him and give him what was appointed for the unbelievers, the hypocrites. Now, what was he appointed to start with? His appointment, his, what he was appointed, what he was to receive was the same as the wise and faithful servant. That's what God had prepared for him. But he chose to go a different route. And because he chose to go a different route, what he was entitled to and should have gotten, he didn't get. This particular parable talks about this, about a fellow thinking he's got all the time that he needs. He, I can just put it off. I can just put it off. I don't need to do this right now. I got all the time in the world. And Jesus says you need to be ready. You need to make some adjustments. You need to pay attention. And if you find yourself thinking that you can do all this and play this little game, he's going to come when you least expect it. Even though you look out there, you won't recognize it. And then he goes into another parable. So we have one parable there that he's saying, I'll show you a sign. I'll give you a sign of the end times. So how many people out there think they've got all the time in the world? Let's just make sure that we're not one of those. He says, let's go on to the next one. Then, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened or compared to ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. They were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there came a cry 
made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go you rather unto them that sell, and buy for yourself. And then, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were made ready, went in with him into the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Then he says, Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. So he's saying, Watch. He's saying, Pay attention now. So now he's saying that after he's talked about these ten virgins. He said that they're to be compared. He said the kingdom of heaven, the way things are going to be, can be compared unto this particular parable. They were ten virgins. These virgins had prepared themselves or kept themselves pure for their soon-to-be or one-day-be their husband. They had promised themselves, they dedicated themselves to their future spouses. They'd given themselves to the Lord. How many of us have given ourselves to the Lord? Lord, I'm giving myself to you. And regardless of whatever your past could have been, you've been made clean when you gave your life to the Lord. And you're just as pure and holy as any virgin or anybody else that, that had never done anything wrong. But notice they were ten virgins. Ten of them. And they all confessed their allegiance to the bridegroom. These virgins are not called good ones and bad ones. He didn't call them good virgins and bad virgins. He called them wise and foolish, just as he did the other one. The wise servant and the evil servant, he called him. Here he calls them wise and foolish. Now, he didn't call them fools. He said foolish. In other words, they did foolish things. Just like the one that built the house on the rock did a wise thing. He was called wise man, wise servant. And the one that built his house on the sand was called foolish. We'll not take the time to go over there. But they were five that were wise. They were prudent, and then there were five foolish virgins. They were all virgins. What made them different? Five were wise, five were foolish. Notice that the five foolish virgins, like I said, were not fools. They just did foolish acts. They did foolish things. So you can be pure and still do foolish things or have foolish thinking because you're not prepared. You didn't adjust. You didn't make ready. You continue to do foolish things. The foolish birds didn't take to heart who they were and who the bridegroom was. They didn't take it to heart. They never took the time nor put forth the effort to know the bridegroom. They didn't take the time to do this. They weren't prepared. But notice something. They gave an appearance that they were. They all had lamps. And those lamps were used to, sh to give illumination to, to the house or to the path that they were walking down. They had lamps. And they did go forth. So we had virgins who kept themselves pure. Had lamps to illuminate the room, to shed light on the path and all. And they got up and went forth when the call was called, when they cried. 
the, for the call to, for them to come, they got up and went. So they knew they were supposed to. They were ready to go. But then it says there that five of them were wise and five foolish. And the thing that separates the two, <coughs> excuse me, was that the wise took oil in a vessel with them. Where the foolish didn't do so. And when they showed up at a particular destination, guess what they did? They were waiting on the bridegroom. And I think that's about where the church is today and where, where we are in history. We're waiting for the culmination of what the, the, the word of the Lord is in, in, on planet Earth and all. We're waiting at that point, And people have fallen asleep. It says there that they slumbered and slept. They got tired. It was a nice hike. It's the middle of the night. And so they now have... They're there, they're virgins, they've got lamps, they've got, they did get up and go. They've done everything, just like they should. But one thing they didn't do was take oil in their vessel, in another vessel. They had some oil in their lamp, but not much. And it says here, that at midnight the cry came, and so they all got up, all ten of them. All ten of them arose, they, all ten of them trimmed their lamps. And the foolish then said, Give us of your oil, because our lamps are going out. So they were lit for a while. So the difference between the two was five of them, the wise ones, said, I'm taking this with me. I'm preparing for the long haul. And five of them said, oh, I don't need that. I don't need to worry about all that. I don't need to worry. I, I'm saved. I'm, I'm sanctified. I'm I'm full of the Holy Ghost, but when the troubles came, guess what? The oil went out in their lamp. They didn't take any more with them. Maybe we could say it this way. They didn't appreciate and long for the Holy Ghost in their life on a daily basis. Well, maybe they just thought, well, we'll just get by with somebody else's anointing. Hey, let me borrow some of your anointing. Well, Lord, you know you did this for Dave Camp. I know you're going to do it for me. You did it for Steve. I know you'll do it for me. Well, no, Steve brought oil with him. You didn't. You didn't prepare yourself for this. You could have. The only difference between the two was one brought it and the other one didn't. The only difference. In other words, the first one said, parable was, hey, He's, he's not coming. I got all the time in the world. I, I can do what I, when it gets closer to the end, then I'll make a decision. He looked and he said, I'll just keep living like I'm doing until. These, all 10 of them were good. They were, they, as far as their purity goes, they all had lamps. In other words, they all had the ability to shine the light. They all got up and went when they were called to go. They all got, went down there, got tired, slept, did all that. But they all got up. They all trimmed their, their wicks. They all did everything just the same. Everything was the same except the foolish ones. Their light went out because they didn't take any oil with them. They weren't prepared. In verse 10 it says, And when they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready, they that were ready, that brings us to a question that we must ask ourselves. Are we ready? Are we prepared? 
Just what he said about the minute ago. He said, are you ready? Make ready. Make adjustments in our lives. You know, they had oil back home probably. They had oil in the cabinet, maybe oil out there in the garage, the five foolish ones. They could have went to the store and got it. They could, you know, they could have had it. It's kind of like having the Word of God, your Bible, sitting on a coffee table at the house. It looks really impressive. Company comes over, they can look and say, yep, that's the Word of God. But where they need the Word of God was in them, not on the coffee table. What these people needed was not oil sitting in my garage, not oil in my cabinet, not oil at the store. I need oil in my lamp. Because where's the lamps at? You're the lamp. You're the lamp. Your light's supposed to shine forth. Or the light of the Lord's supposed to shine through you. You can have all the oil you want at the house, but if the oil ain't in you, it's not doing you any good. So you can have all kind of books and teaching tapes and, and your dial set on your TV to all different kind of stations. And, but if it's not in you, you're not prepared. And so Jesus is saying, look, this is signs of the end. That there'll be people that look good, have all the good, but they're not prepared. There's others that claim and say, ah, we got all the time in the world, don't worry about it. Problem is, is here's these ones, because they didn't prepare themselves. It says, watch, therefore, for you, need, you don't know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Then he goes into another parable. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods and gave one of the, and unto one he gave five talents to another two and to another one. Notice this. To every man, say every man, according to his several abilities and straightway he took his journey. In other words, he gave one man five. Is that what it says? He gave one five talents. He gave another two talents. He gave another man one talent. And he gave it to them according to their ability to do something with it. He didn't just say, here, have this. He gave it to them knowing that with, with giving it to them, he also made sure they had the ability to do what he was requesting for them to do. So we can never say, well, God, I just know what to do with it. It says, then he that received five talents went and traded with the same and made five other talents because he took the abilities that God had given him along with the talents that he gave him and put it to use. He didn't just sit on it. And likewise, he that had two, he also gained two because he took the two that God gave him and took it with the abilities that he gave him and went and made two more. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's talent, did not use his several abilities that the Lord had given him to do anything with it. He just went and buried it. He didn't do anything with the gifts, the callings, the talents, 
all of those things that God has given us, and we find them in the Word of God. Romans chapter 12 tells us some have been given the gift of hospitality, some of teaching, some of giving. These gifts were not given to you, nor given to me for me. The gift was given to me to give to you. The gift of miracles is nice for the guy that operates and gives the miracles, but if he doesn't perform the miracles to the people that need the miracles, what good did it do him? Or the gift of healings? Or the word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. It's not for the guy that has the gift. It's for the people who receive from the guy that has the gift. But he says here, this guy took and dug it and put it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. He knew it wasn't his. He hid the Lord's money. And it says, and after a long time, the Lord of the servants cometh and reckoned with him. After a long time, be weeks, months, years, centuries, even millenniums. What we do with our life is important. Because we're always sowing our life into this world. We're sowing our life every single day. And people are watching. And it's imperative that we look beyond the now to eternity. For seeds don't pass away with us. The talents that we have we have our God-given. You didn't get to choose them. He gave them to you. He gave you those talents. And he didn't give them to you so you can just sit back and say, well, look at my medals, look at my badges. How you sow your life determines the outcome of another generation. I don't know about you, but I want to hear well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's what he did. He came back and he says, you reckon with them and give an account. And so he had, so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents saying, Lord, thou gave delivered me five talents. Look, behold, I have gained besides them five more. So here's all 10 of them. And the Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou have been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The complete Jewish Bible says this way. Enter into the joy of the master's happiness. Enter into the joy of the master's happiness. Not just to enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy that the master now is so happy to, to see you there. And you've done great. You're faithful. He also... They received two talents, came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside him. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. The exact same reward as the one that had five. No variance whatsoever. He didn't say, well, you know, I want you to enter into a smaller portion of the master's happiness. No. Same thing. So whether God gave you five talents and put you in charge of a lot of things, he also gave you the ability to do those things, to carry it. Or maybe it was two things. He gave you the abilities to see to it for that. 
You know, we can't help but go over there where Ruth is and realize that God has graced us, or Esther, he's graced us for such a time as this. He didn't just put us here, but he gave us the ability to do and do well at this time. But the one had one. Then he received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew thee. If thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strong, and I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth, lo, thou hast that which is thine. And the Lord said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I strove not. Thou oughtest have, have to put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I could receive my own with usury or interest. He said, he started out lying. He said, I knew thee. He didn't know God. He didn't know this master. He just said he knew him. He says, I knew you. He didn't know him at all. He said, I knew you to be this way. This is a false statement about another man's character. There's many people that say that about God. Well, God, I know how you are, so I, I didn't do it. I just... Here's the, I'm going to give you back what you hear. And the Lord's like, you don't know me at all. I don't need this. You need this. I gave it to you. He could have known him. He could have known him just like the one that had five. He could have known him like the one that had two. But he didn't know him. And that's where we have to really take a good look at this. We could know God. There's those that do, and to a great degree. Then there's others that have it to a small degree. And even if yours just is a low degree, do you know him, or did you take the ability to know him and hit it? Did you take your time, just throw it out? What did he do with his time? What did he do with his resources? What was so important that he didn't have time to do what God had called him to do? He had the abilities. He had the time, the same as the other ones did. And if he didn't do anything with it, what was he doing? How many of you know we all have 24 hours in a day? I want 26. I need the extra two hours. But I don't get them just because I need them. I have to pull upon what? The grace and the ability that God's given me so I can get accomplished in 24, the same as you. But he took what he had that the Lord gave him, and he buried it in the earth. But you know what else he buried? His ability. He buried his several abilities along with it. He did nothing. And the Lord says, call him a wicked and slothful or lazy person. He just simply did nothing with what was given to him. Well, what are we doing with the word of God that we've been given? What are we doing with it? Have we invested the word of God into our lives or, or have we just buried it? Have we become walking encyclopedias of the Bible? Talking about it, telling it, or are we doing something with it? And we really need to, you know, this is a sign that there'll be people that have been given the ability, have been given the the talents, giving everything to them, but they didn't do nothing with it. 
And I'm bringing these up because we need to recognize and see, okay, this is happening and we see it in the natural. But are we guilty of any of this? One, are we walking around saying we got all the time in the world? I, I, you know, I, the, my Lord's delayed in his coming, so I'll just do what I want. Number two, the virgins, they didn't prepare themselves. Here, this guy took what he was given and went and hid it. And said that he knew God when he had the opera, same opportunity everybody else had. And he had the same opportunity for the reward. Enter thou into the master's happiness. He had the ability to hear that. He could have heard that, but he didn't get to hear that. What he heard instead, take the talent from him and give it to him that had ten. For every one that hath shall be given, and he that shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away in which he has. And now you just cast this unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You had the ability. I gave it to you. I gave you the talents. All I asked you to do was to do what I told you to do. You chose not to. You can't say, well, I just didn't. I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I came from a poor household. You just don't understand my, my family situation when I grew up. And If you're looking for an excuse, you can find one. If you're looking to be successful, God will see to it you get there. He's given you everything and equipped you for success. Then he says in verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man shall come to, into his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he rest upon the throne of his glory. And behold, shall gather all the nations and shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided the sheep from his goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on his left. Can I confess to y'all that when I was growing up, even into the days that I wasn't living for God and was a drug dealer and all kind of stuff, I'd have a dream. It's a reoccurring dream from my childhood all the way up through being a heathen. Bad person. I mean, pretty bad. Of being in a church setting. Jesus being up here. One side sheep, one side goats. But they were just people. And I knew this was what was happening. And I'm standing out there. And I'm thinking, is it his right or my right? Is it his left or my left? I don't know what side I'm supposed to be on. But I know there's a day coming that he's going to have a dividing and separation of those that are sheep and those that are goats. Which side are the goats and sheep? And I'd look around and I'd run across the aisle to this side and I'd be over there. I'm like, well, no, I think I was better off over here. You see, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the spirit of God. I mean, you know, trying to minister to me through all that to quit playing the fence. I don't know, but I know this. I never, I, it never left me. It never left me. Even here at 66 years old, I'm telling you, that is a truth that I had that reoccurring dream. Where did I get such a thought when I was a little child? Here in the scriptures, knowing that there's coming a day. It's important, parents. To bring your children to church. To hear the word. I didn't know and understand all of that. 
But somewhere in that, that little bit of word of those things got in me that there was coming a day that Jesus would stand up and separate the sheep from the goats. I remembered it. And, it, and, you know, and so I, I started trying to do that. And it says here, Then shall the king say unto them, Them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come on in. You, I prepared this for you from the foundation of the earth. And they're like, well, what did we do? <clears throat> well, he was telling them, I was hungry and you fed me. You gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then shall the righteous say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed thee and thirsty and gave you drink and saw you that you were a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? Well, when did we see you sick or in prison and came to thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these brethren, you've done it unto me. So, then he said to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into an everlasting fire, prepared not for you, but for the devil and his angels. I had prepared for you a great place. I prepared this for you. But because you weren't willing to do and to walk in what I had for you, then I'll let you inherit now what I prepared for the disobedient. Because I was hungry, you didn't give me any food. And I was thirsty, and you didn't give me anything to drink. And I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, you didn't give me any clothes. I was sick, and in prison, you didn't come see me. You didn't call me. Then shall they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and stranger and naked and sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? And he says, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did not to the one of the least of these, you didn't do it for me. Go on away. So he's saying there that we have opportunities to love one another. We have opportunities to love one another. So there's four parables here that he said, I want you to pay close attention to and to know. He said, I want you to be ready. I want you to make some adjustments in your life. I want you to prepare for something. Just as you would prepare for a hurricane or bad weather or anything other than that, a flood or economic disaster, you'd make preparation. I want you to make preparation. I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm coming with rewards. All four of them got rewarded good things that did right. And all four of them that didn't do right rewarded things they didn't want. The things that weren't even prepared for them. So we need to understand if we're seeing out in the world right now where there's people that don't want to tell, help the poor, don't want to help the hungry, don't care about their fellow man, care, care less about whether they have clothes or don't care, they don't care about human trafficking, they don't care about abortion, I don't care about any of that, so that's them. Then you may all take a look and say, well, wait a minute. Why is it you don't care? Should you not have a heart to do? What can you do? Can you visit the one in your church that's sick? Can you at least call them? Can you text them? 
Can you help somebody when a car breaks down? Can you give them some clothes? There was a time in Marsha and I's life when if it wasn't for hand-me-downs, Heidi wouldn't have had any clothes. We didn't have money to buy clothes. Not even at Goodwill or nowhere. Peter's talking about buying clothes that, you know, didn't have patches, you know, have holes, you know. Uh, now you, you pay extra for holes. The wore-out clothes are worth more. But we didn't have money for Heidi to have new clothes. So thank God that he provided us some clothing for our daughter. That's why she's so short. We wouldn't let her grow. <laughs> but are we doing these things? Have we taken the talents that God's given us and went and buried it? And with those talents, the things that he's blessed us with, have we taken the ability to double them, triple them, and make them fruitful? Have we buried that ability as well? That's going on in this earth. Where people don't want to be involved. Well, you know, I know I've got these gifts and these callings that God has given me. I see them over here. But I, you know what? I just don't feel like doing it. Really. Well, do you know how many people today probably desire the gift of hospitality to be treated to them? People would love just to be able to to be treated hospitable? Huh? You know how many people today would really like to have somebody be a leader? Or somebody to step up to the plate and teach? God's given that gift of teaching to people. Are they burying that? Are they saying, I'm not only burying this gift that you gave me, but I'm going to bury the ability to use that gift as well. What is it God gave us? And what are we doing with it? We all want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the master's happiness. But are we willing to do it? And you won't ever be willing to do it if you don't first do like the five wise virgins and prepare yourself for such a time as that. And you're never going to prepare yourself as long as you think you've got all the time in the world. So he was saying there, there's people out here. You want to know the signs of the times? You want to know when I'm coming back? Here's four ways you'll know. I'll give you four signs. And he gave them to us. People think they got every time. Oh, I got plenty of time. They don't prepare themselves. You know, the Bible says that Jesus said to them, he said, many are called, but few are chosen. You know, for years I just couldn't make, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Well, if many are called, how come only few are chosen? Well, that's the way it's translated. But you go and you look at the deeper translation. It says this. Many are called, but few will prepare themselves for such a celebration as this. Many are called, but few will prepare themselves for such a time as this. And he called it a celebration. Not a hardship. Not a tribulation, but a celebration. As I was preparing for this, I was like, Lord, I know what you're saying. There's people that want to know, where are we? And the question is, is not really where are we in time, but where are we as individuals? 
And are we going to only be moved by what so-and-so does or what this one does? If we're waiting on a president, we'll be waiting for a long time. No pun intended. If we're waiting on our government, we'll be waiting a long time. If we're waiting on, on uh, businesses and, and all this other type of stuff, we're going to be waiting a long time. Bottom line is this. We already won. Read the back. And if we've won, engage. Why hold back? If we really believe, if we really, really believe that we are the righteousness of Christ, that we're born again, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world, then what are we doing hiding and burying the things that God has given us? What are we doing? What we need to be doing is shouting from the rooftop, investing in the things that he's given us so that we can go out and begin to see people out there as he sees them, valuable. Amen? Every head bowed, eye closed, nobody looking around. You may be here this morning or watching online, and this has struck something down inside of you that you know, that you know, that you know, that you've been saying, well, you know, I've got time. I've got time. I'll make a decision, but right now I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I kind of like this, and you feel like, well, you know, when I get older, I'll, I'll, I'll straighten up my life. When I start having kids, I'll straighten up my life. I just want to sow my wild oats now. I want to I do this. And, and if that's you, just, you, you don't have tomorrow's not guaranteed to you. Don't, don't live life like that. Live life with purpose. Live life with purpose. If you're here and you say, you know, Lord, or maybe watching online, I know I could be preparing myself. I prepare for hurricanes. I prepare for storms. I prepare for snow. Even when it's not going to snow, I prepare for snow. I prepare for all kind of things. I prepare for retirement. I prepare for this and that. But I, one thing I haven't done is I, I haven't been preparing myself for the day we live in. And I I haven't been staying with the Holy Ghost and spending time praying in tongues and seeking my God. And I can tell at times that my, that my flame is flickering because of lack of oil. And what I need to do is to get quiet and get along with you, be refreshed and be filled. And I need to take it with me. It doesn't do me any good in the closet. I need to take this Holy Spirit with me. When I make business decisions. I need to take this Holy Spirit with me at work. When I'm faced with the people that I have to deal with. I need to take this Holy Spirit to the grocery store. I need to take this Holy Spirit to the voting booth. I need to take this Holy Spirit everywhere I go. It's no good to have this oil of the Holy Spirit sitting at the house. I need it in me. So that my light can shine. Well you're going to have to prepare. And I find that many people, it's not that they can't prepare. Something just keeps interrupting them every time they do. They make a decision, I'm going to prepare. They go, they sit down to make a note. And like I said, five emails, three text messages, a phone call, and a distraction to keep you from doing what you know you ought to do. Make priorities. I'm going to spend this time with the Lord every day. Every day. 
You may be here. And you know that you've buried the gifts that God's given you. You feel like, well, I, don't, I didn't know I had the abilities. I just thought, it, I knew I had a gift, but I, I didn't know I could do it. He gave you abilities along with the gift. He didn't just say, here's a gift, figure it out. He gave you the instruction manual. He gave you the encouragement. He gave you every single thing that you have need of. Everything. And if you've buried it, go dig it up quickly. Put it to use. Because he's coming back and we will give an account for what he gave us. And if you don't know how to use it, and you look and you've been stirred, and you're wondering, am I a sheep or am I a goat? All you have to do is look. Do I love my fellow man? Do I love my fellow man? Would I be willing to give him the shirt off my back? Can I help them? Even when they criticize me. Even when they put me down. Will I welcome them in? Will I not say, well, you're not my denomination? No. Does it matter? All I got to do is look at the Bible. Just read a little bit. Jesus sat with a woman at the well in Samaria. And the harlots and the prostitutes, the drug addicts, the tax collectors, everybody else. Jesus made time for them. Well, we make time for people. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that your word is true. Lord, you revealed to us because you want us to know the days that we live in. You want us to see not only the things that's going to come to pass, but you want us to, to recognize the fact that we don't have to be those people. So, Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you that people will be delivered from burying their talents, will be delivered from not caring for their, for their fellow man, will be delivered from procrastinating and what, for doing what they know they should be doing and preparing themselves. And, Lord, I thank you that people will say, you know more, am I going to play this game of time? And they make a decision. From this day forward, I'm going to work at this. I'm going to look for the Lord and not look out for the Lord. Lord, I thank you for strength and people's ability to walk us out. I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I declare blessings upon the people today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.